Hey guys, today I'm here with conservative author Martin Lichtmess. Did I pronounce right, this okay? Right, so we, we practiced. Yeah, we practiced, yeah. so I tried my best. I'm sorry for the, for the German speakers. <laughs> <laughs> So can you please, for those who don't know you, who may be watching, can you please give a brief introduction of yourself as well as the different ways that you're politically active? Uh, all right. So basically, I'm, I'm a writer and an author. I'm not an activist. Right. Um, so, and I work for the German publishing house Anteos and um, also for the bi-monthly magazine called Setzession. So I'm, 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 I'm an editor, writer, translator. I have written several nice books. Uh, those of you in the English-speaking world might, for example, know the novel Camp of Saints by yes. Jean Raspail. So I did the German translation, which was quite successful. And uh, right now I have released a new book together with um, my friend Caroline Sommerfeld, and it's called Living with the Left. And we'll get to that because you debuted it at the Frankfurt Book Fair and that was quite eventful. So I know that you've translated several books from French into German, correct? Uh, uh, two of them. Actually. Two of them. Yes. And one of them, one of them relates to the Great Replacement. So can you please true, true. tell me about this mm. book and then also what your personal definition of the Great Replacement is? All oh, right, so we, we're getting really to core. We're, core yeah, we're hardcore, yeah. right, yeah, right so, into so, it. So, yeah. Okay, um, the basics, like basics. Mm -hmm. All right, so um, the Great Replacement, or in French, Grand Remplacement, is a phrase coined by a French writer called Renaud Camus, um, who is, uh, he has been active for more than 40, 40 50 years now, um, but his writings used to be uh, very, um, he had a very limited audience, he was a poet, he was an artist, uh, he had a very um, odd and uh, experimental style, but uh, so about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. he started to um, deal with more political issues, and there's especially this one thing that well, one could might say he's really obsessed about it yeah. because he doesn't talk about anything else. But in, I mean it in a good way. Um, and this is what he calls the great replacement. Mm -hmm. And um, this is, uh, uh, has become a phrase that is very important for the identitary movement and also... Um, uh, so it refers to... Um, what we call a population replacement mm -hmm. that is ongoing in Europe, or to be more precise in Western Europe, yeah. um, which is caused by a um, mechanism of two things. One is a mass immigration that has been uh, going on for several decades now in countries like the UK or France. And uh, uh, on the other hand, um, 
uh, a, a shrinking of demographics, you know, of, of the autotonic um, people, they have shrinking demographics. So we have this process that we see that one population is replaced by another. And um, so sometimes people refer to this term as some sort of weird conspiracy theory. Yes, because yes, I often hear this. <laughs> <laughs> because when they hear it, they, they immediately jump to the conclusion that um, this term refers to something that is actually like a plan, some evil people are doing so. I mean, one can discuss about the reasons of what is happening. One can also discuss that there might really be some people who are um, actively advancing this development. But this is not the most important thing about it. The most important thing about this term, Great Replacement, is that it is actually a fact that is happening in front of your eyes and you can see it. And um, this is especially true when you visit Paris or especially true when you have visited Paris in, in uh, you know, with intervals in between. Yes, you told I, me you I was have, there yeah, in 2013 yeah. and then I mm -hmm. went for the French election. Drastic difference. Drastic. Well, this is odd because you have just a two years gap, you know, yeah. and and you, even you have you have you see this acceleration is huge, but this is a process. It began, yeah, in in the fifties, sixties, yeah, already in the fifties maybe, but in the sixties it progressed. And um, I had visited Paris in two thousand fifteen. This was. Um, you know, shortly after the Charlie Hebdo attacks. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been there for, at that point, exactly 20 years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, okay, I saw I saw a big difference. You know, I saw that many parts of Paris have basically turned into Algeria or Senegal. Right. Or uh, So you can see, you, you can see what uh, Camus, Camus means when he says there is a sort of different population and a non-European third world. Uh, in the case of France, uh, of course, this is um, tied to uh, to the colonial past of France. The same thing happening in 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 Great Britain, mm -hmm. but um, we see this also happening in countries that did not have a colonial past or a smaller colonial past. For example, like Germany. Germany lost lost its colonies after World War One, you know, and there were a few of them. But in Germany, we already have a a similar development. It's not as drastic yet as in in in, in um, France or in the UK. Um, but you know, it's happening and it's accelerating. And so, of course, so we we see this as a as a, as a very negative thing. Mm -hmm. But you know, before I I go deeper into monologues, maybe. <laughs> You have a question. Well, yes, I do. I am curious about the, the other book you translated from French to German, Camp mm -hmm. of Saints, yeah. which, for those who don't know, it's essentially about, it's a satirical, dystopian story about yes. a an armada of non-Europeans who come to Europe. So, first of all, is it available in English, this book? I and did. Yeah, well, you can answer, and then I'll, I have a yeah, follow-up yeah. for yeah. this. <laughs> okay, so the, the amazing thing about Camp of Saints oh, is it was published in 1970, in France. The English translation was in 76 or so. It has been in print ever since in, in both countries. It has been translated in other languages as well. Yes, I mean, yes. they're, they're Polish, there are um, Spanish, Italian, even Japanese, a lot of them. So, mm -hmm. And uh, the, the book's reputation grew through the years. 
So um, uh, even at the end of the 1970s, there was this huge, <laughs> it's mainly forgotten today, this boat people crisis, you know, and so there was this um, already this um, image of this is a prophetic book, this is a prophecy. You yes, know? That's a, that mm. was actually my follow-up question. Yeah. Do you think mm. that it's prophetic for the mm. mass migration that yeah. we're currently seeing? Um, you know, prophetic in that sense is, of course, more like a metaphor. Yeah, even, yeah. even though uh, Monsieur Raspail, who's a very interesting, very colorful character, he, he claims that in the beginning of the 1970s, he stood on the coast of Côte d'Azur and he was spending some time in a, in a villa by friends to write and all of a sudden he had this vision, you know, what if they come, you know, mm -hmm. and back in that time there was already discussion about overpopulation yeah. and about uh, also already in the 60s, 70s, there was some kind of political correctness which wasn't called that way, you know, but mm -hmm. the, the sources of what we call white guilt or post-colonialism, um, this was already there. So there were many, many, um, I mean, I, I want to say that what he saw is not magic, you know. I mean, if you were aware of what was going on in the world in the early 70s, you could see something like this might happen. Mm -hmm. happen. Um, but of course, there's more to it, because uh, this is a book is, is really of, of an astonishing imagination, you know, a really literary imagination. It's it's because uh, Jean Raspail is not just, a, you know, it's not a political pamphlet. Yeah. Uh, Jean Raspail is really, really a good writer. You know, he has really a dear, he has a vision. And today when you read this book, it's really stunning. It's, it's absolutely mm -hmm. mind-blowing, especially when you lived in Germany in 2015, when we had the refugee crisis yeah. exploding. Um, and you could see um, all this craze of, you know, people running to train stations, throwing teddy bears, having these posters yeah. with rainbow colors, refugees welcome. Mm -hmm. You had this, this, this insane um, hysteria, which was, uh, you know, beyond any, uh, any realistic... Uh, uh, dance toward these things, mm -hmm. and um, and now the crazy thing is that was part described exactly that. You know, these are the parts in his book which are some of the most biting and most funny. Also, you know, when he he has this uh, this this uh, this was a fleet fleet of ships from India in that case. You know, and they're approaching the West, and there are all these. You know, hungry and starving immigrants, and they believe the West is uh, a paradise, the, the, the land of milk and honey. And they're approaching the West, and in the West, and in the book, it's it's the focus is on France. Everybody is is reacting in a almost religious way, like wow, these are our brothers, um, you know, and we are guilty, and we have to welcome them, and uh, you know, this, this our, our Christian values, our our liberal values, our humanitarian values, you know order us and in, in, in fact it's, it, it ends in a very very bad way and anybody can see it except right. those that are in this mania and this craze so when when i reread this book or when i retranslate when i translated it in 2015 i was just stunned i mean it was like you could read lines in the book you have for example politicians so you have people from the press so you have people from the church and all the stuff they say in the book basically appeared in the papers each day, you know. So the satire reality had almost surpassed the satire. And um, I remember in summer 2015, 
um, of course, it didn't come as a surprise refugee crisis. Mm. It was already, uh, you know, the year before it was already in motion, and summer 2015 was just the climax, you know. And at that point, we decided to republish this book because it had already been published in German in the 1980s, but the translation was really, really bad. You know? and, Translations are yeah. really important. Mm, they yeah. are. <laughs> mm. And so we had to redo it. I, I worked day and night, and so, you know, I felt almost like part of the book. And um, and this book had a huge success. Um, it got us the first reviews in mainstream press. Wow. You know, our publishing house has been existing for fifteen years, but you know, we are basically outcasts. You know, yeah. we are evil, evil right wing. So mainstream press doesn't uh, tries to ignore us. Mm -hmm. But this book was the first they really could not ignore. Mm -hmm. You know, so it went up the, the bestseller list and was a huge yeah. success. And I think this book has, has a. What I think is important about this book is that it has the power to what you in the anglophone world call red pilling. <laughs> it has a really good power of red pilling because the way it does it is through telling a story, you know, it's not some theory. It's not very heavy handed and, yeah. and feeling like they're, you know, forcing something down your throat, like many of the books written today, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's also, it's it's not dry theory, it's it's not a scientific analysis, it's it, it's a story, it's telling right. a story. And in this story, oh, there's, there's really, really a lot of amazing insights. Mm -hmm. And it's also very funny. A uh, few people uh, don't realize this. I mean... I didn't really, when I read it for the first time in the old translation 10 years ago, I felt it was very, very depressing and you know, very dark, you know. Mm -hmm. And only when I reread it and I realized that the old translator hadn't got it himself, you know, he didn't ah, get the so jokes, it's you know. You know, kind of he didn't get humor. it, that it's really a dark, yeah. dark, dark humor, you know. Which is my favorite kind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, I, I just, um, I remember uh, reading an article some months ago in some psychology paper that said that it's a sign of intelligent people to really love dark, morbid humor. <laughs> wow, well. <laughs> <laughs> so Camp of Saints is, is, is in that order, yeah. But it's also sad, it's also tragical, you know. It's it's an, a unique mix. I don't know any other book like it. Yeah. Well, I will link the English version in the description for those who are interested in reading this book. Uh, my next question for you is, I know that you presented at the American Renaissance Conference this year, and you gave a presentation about generation identity. So mm -hmm. do you consider yourself an identitarian yourself? I know you're not politically active, mm -hmm. but kind of at heart, or what sure. political label I'd would say, you say, I mean, if, 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 if somebody would uh, need to put into a box I'd say New York New right or identitarian okay. I'm happy with it you know yeah, yeah. so I'm basically um, completely of uh, um, in agreement with mm -hmm. with the basics of, of identitarianism so you can call me that <laughs> okay what do you think is the most effective form of activism do mm -hmm. you think like rallies demonstrations or maybe presentations or books like what's the most effective way to make change well, I think um, it must be a sort of orchestra of, of things, you know. I mean, one thing alone doesn't do the deal, you yeah, know. Yeah. I think there have to be um, 
um, let's put it, actually, I mean, we are talking about met metapolitics mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is what I'm in, you know, and what identitarian movement in the end is in, because it's not a political party, you know, it's it's an organization to raise consciousness, mm -hmm. okay, and to spread ideas, you know, to, to, to um, produce images, you know, to, to leave a message, you know, and you can do this in, in very different ways, yeah. So I mean, ah, if you like, I can I can I can um, talk about the Frankfurt Book Fair now. Yes, I would like to move because, on because to because, that. because yes. um, I can I can link it with your question. Yeah, a here. good segue. Mm. So, but first, yeah. before we mm. get to all the action that happened, yeah. can you mm. first talk a little bit about your book because you uh -huh. presented it at the Frankfurt Book Fair? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So maybe just give a brief mm -hmm, synopsis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, we can see, at, if we uh, look at what happened at the book fair, we can see how certain different kinds of metapolitics um, combined work out, you know. So, um, my part in this, in this orchestra, you know, is not activism, I'm a writer, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm basically interested that I can do good books, hopefully good books, and that people can read them and, and spread ideas, you know. And um, now um, my new book, uh, which I wrote with a co-author, um, is something I have been wanting to do for a long time. It's a sort of a survival guide, a sort of a self-help book, you know. I'm, I'm very, uh, actually very keen on these um, American self-help books. I have a huge collection, oh, like, really? you know, like, um, I don't know, how, how to have an argument and win every time, how to make anyone in fall, fall in love with you, uh, how to, I don't know, all, all, all these kind of books, you know, I collect them and I, I really enjoy them, you know. Uh -huh. It's, it's sort of a camp thing to it. Like, like junk food for, for the mind. Yeah, but some of them are really clever, you know, they're really, really clever self-help authors and so on. And I, I thought a bit of doing some mix, you know. Um, of course, uh, you know, it's for reader, for people who, uh, who, who are bright and intelligent, but it's also more likely, you know, it's a more popular approach right. in that book. Um, and it's basically a sort of survival guide, what to do, uh, how to live with the left, or with leftist or with leftist ideology, you know. And this is not easy if you are a conservative or a right-winger or anybody else who doesn't agree with leftist policies, you will realize very soon that you can get in trouble. So, you know, the rule of political correctness is, is ever more iron and um, we thought about means of, of escaping it, you know, or of, of you know, deconstructing it, of, of surviving it, of opposing it, you know. Um, and there are many, many aspects in our book. Um, first, we have three chapters. First is, um, we want to describe the situation in our country, the famous so-called polarization you know, the same in US. I have, Martin and me, we have followed uh, the elections very closely and we have also had in Austria uh, a presidential election in 2016, yeah. you know, and we had a very similar situation as in the US. We had our country split in two and um, we have this increasing hostility uh, but on the other side, we have we have things really changing, you know. Yeah. 
that people people are start to to um, ally that you know years ago they wouldn't never have thought they would so there's there's also a change going on and we are describing the situation in germany of course it has been uh, enforced by the the migrant crisis this was the big watershed you know that all so and uh, the next chapter we call it talking to the left and it's about all these stupid buzzwords they use like hate fear uh, tolerance racism and some specific ones in german like like folkish or so and we are trying to show why why they are bullshit and what are the use being used for you know but we really want to argue you know you want we want people to um we want to give people the words and the arguments but also the means to think for themselves you know and so we have also looked at books you know that uh it's it's a popular genre right now um books to tell you how to deal with populism how to argue with right-wingers yeah. how to debunk prejudices and so and they are all stupid no they're so terribly stupid you know so and our book was the first to to do it from you know the other side and and the, the third part is living with the left you know and this is about the daily life you know um you know this this political polarization goes right through our hearts and you know, all right through our families through our relationships and not to speak uh, that people are often in danger sometimes to lose a job if they have the wrong opinion or to get pressure at, at the working place or at universities or whatsoever so we're dealing with the fact of social pressure it is there and social pressure is a political weapon it's the main political weapon of of, of um, the left maybe maybe i should talk also before i mean when i say the left if it doesn't go too far but it's of course um it's of course that one thing you know that that is the most powerful and it needs to be overcome because i think this rule of political correctness this rule of you know trying pe to, to pressure people what they can think or say is all based on fear and the biggest fear is the fear of social exclusion and stigmatization you know the fear of being called a nazi or racist or whatever uh, essentially a bad person and you know and and we are thinking our book of, of, of tactics to to overthrow that you know <laughs> because we want to encourage people you know to 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 to, to drop off this fear and we we are we believe that the more people can do it and the more people sort of you know try to secede to uh, create their own social networks you know the less powerful this this tool of social pressure comes you know so this would be the major thing to overthrow this 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 uh, power of social social fear. Well, I think more and more people are waking up to it and taking a stand. The question is, will it be enough? But um, on to the Frankfurt sure. Book Fair. Were you actually able oh, yeah. to give uh -huh. a, a presentation of your book? Mm -hmm. Did, did mm -hmm. Antifa make it possible, or did they kind of ambush it in the same way that they ambushed Martin Sandler's presentation? Yeah, yeah. So, and also, how did the media react to all of this, the mainstream yeah, yeah. media? Well, it's 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 an odd story. I still haven't quite um, digested what happened, you know. Um, but basically, 
It was like this. Um, we had um, we had a book, a presentation of three different authors mm -hmm. or um, three different books, you know. And the first one was Living with the Left, and uh, so me and Caroline Sommerfeld, my co-author, we entered the stage and as a sort of bonus, uh, God said invited uh, the notorious EFD politician Björn Höcke, you know, which is like, you know, a red, um, <laughs> how do you say, a red cloth from... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. that attracts them? Yeah, that, that, really, that really attracts people. But, you know, we, we were sort of expecting um, something to happen, you know, I mean, Antifa was already, uh, of course, um, calling for action. Um, the, the, um, the, the, the book fair um, uh, stuff played a dubious role in that, but I won't go into that now. But, you know, the, the thing is that during our presentation and I was prepared for, you know, I just wanted to talk about my book, you know, and there's a lot to talk about it. And all of a sudden we had this... Um, um, uh, how you call it? Sprechchöre. You know, they were chanting, blowing chorus. whistles. And, yeah, and no, no, not, not yet. The blowing whistles came yet. So okay. the, fir the first attack, you know, was some people were shouting like, you know, paroles and trying to shut us down. But then something odd happened, which I had never experienced before that, uh, you know, um, we just started shouting back, you know. And we had this very catchy line, Jeder hasst die Antifa, everybody hates Antifa. So <laughs> I, know the, I don't know what they said. So nationalism, nationalismus aus dem Körper, Nazi. Also, we, we just, uh, you know, and and I was amazed to see work because there were so many people in the audience. Mm -hmm. Many of them were people who were readers of our magazine or people who were fans of Höcke also and others. And and I could see for the first time in my life I had seen this that we were in the majority. That really worked out. That when we started our counterattack. We were shutting Antifa down. They were shutting up, you know. Yeah, it was, and, and, it was amazing. And and of course the atmosphere was heated. And all of a sudden, I find myself in a role I wasn't used to at all, you know. I mean, it was strange for me to see this happening inside myself, you know, because um, I realized that I had to switch from two different modes of mm -hmm. of talking, you know. So I, I just wanted to talk about my book, and all of a sudden I'm 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 in a populist activist fighting back mood you know mm -hmm. because it didn't work out any other way and uh, so we were standing there and basically i remember i was improvising and uh, there were a few more attacks but we all kicked them back and i remember one scene in the end and was particularly ironic uh, where i said okay i want to ask everybody in the audience who is um, a lefty or liberal or not on our side uh, and who is not some Bolshevist blockhead like our friends there. I want you to look into this book, read it and see what what it's like on the other side, you know? Yeah. What we experience, what we think, what what what's really there, you know? Yeah. Because you know, this book is mostly written for 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 us, you know, for people who are conservatives or right wingers or not politically correct people. But it's also written for, you know, the other side to realize, you know, because they have a strange image of us, you know, mm -hmm. they uh, and and so I, I was making a um, sort of um, argument here, and while I was doing it, there was again 
a shouting attack, you know, from the mm-hmm. side. They said, okay, Sai, ah, jeder hast die Antifa, jeder hast yeah. die Antifa. So I, 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 and, and we crushed them again. And then I said, okay, there's a German saying, as you shout into the wood, the wood shouts back. And the left is mm-hmm. people, they have to realize we, we won't take this anymore. You know? Exactly. And audience was, was very enthusiastic about it. And after this, um, this first round was passed, I felt really good. It felt mm. like a triumph, you know. I felt like, wow, this is the first time we really, really hit them back, you know, and showed them we, we won't, we won't we stand our ground. But you know, I was happy, uh, you know. But you know what happened? So uh, next came Akif Birinci, the Turkish German writer, and it was rather calm. But the moment when Martin Selner and Mario Müller entered the stage, of course, hell broke loose. Yeah, and they, they were waiting them. for that. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the first the first attack, you know, they withdrew, but they gathered again, and this time they brought the whistles, and of course... They were actually physically mm-hmm. attacking at, the, at this point yeah. as well, mm-hmm. so the, the police had to come mm-hmm. in and restrain them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. essentially form a barrier between Antifa and the identitarians. Yeah. But the, the mainstream media completely misrepresented what happened here. Sure. When you go into that, it was sure, just sure. a bunch of lies. You, you're, you guys are familiar with it. They do it to mm-hmm. conservatives mm-hmm. In, in America all the time. Yeah, I mean... What, what essentially happened is, of course, we could not proceed anymore with with the, the, the event because it was too noisy. But what we did is, of course, fight back, and so it turned into a, a shouting match, you know, between us and them. And uh, you know, police was 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 standing there like a wall. And then came this guy from 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 the book fair staff um, who didn't intervene. You know, I mean, it was so obvious that they just let it happen. You know, they 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 were schizophrenic in a way. One day, one on one side, they were claiming, yes, of course, we are all for free speech and for all that. But on the other hand. And, you know, they, they were kind of, you know, not unhappy that that somebody would, would cut off our free speech and block us. Yeah. So there was a sort of um, implicit, not explicit, an implicit collaboration between them and, and the, the, the Antifa. And um, so eventually the whole thing dissolved. And um, yeah, okay, we felt like... Well done, guys. I mean, you shot your own leg because yeah. I mean, how is this going to look like, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, of course, the next day there were huge misrepresentations. Yeah, of it, it even you know? made it to America. Yeah. Actually, there, yeah. the Washington mm-hmm. Post covered mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, I remember Washington Post had a photo, and you see this 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 tattooed skinhead hooligan guy yeah. attacking somebody like but this. But he was you know? he was an Antifa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is the funny thing, you know, some security guys between them, and the photo does and say what's happening here but uh-uh. the, the skinhead guy actually is an Antifa guy and the yeah. guy who's being attacked is, is Gertz Kubitschek who's our you know boss our editor-in-chief you know so um, and there were several other lies of course one of the frames was a clash of left-wing and right-wing groups as if both were equally responsible yeah, of what they happens. provoked the yeah. entire thing yeah no there was it was absolutely clearly um, their responsibility they started it and mm-hmm. they tried to deliberately shut us down by using a sort of violence to me this is a sort of violence you know it's not a physical violence but if you do it you know shout and scream and you cut off free speech it's a sort of violence and there were other stories happening like one guy from the from there's some stupid uh, party called the party you know 
Okay, just some not funny, but think they are funny, yeah. these morons. And uh, he claimed that he had been attacked by a Nazi. And, you know, but it was security. Yeah, and it turned out he was security from the book fair, you know. So it was total lies, lies. My last question for you is that I know, like me, you are Catholic, and mm -hmm. you wrote a book called Only God Can Save Us. Yes. So can you please tell me a little bit about the book, and also do you think that the only chance Europe can be saved is by some kind of act of divine intervention? Huh. Right. Okay, this is um, obviously a very complex question and this book you are addressing is also very, very complex. It's totally different from the one I've written now, which is more popular and lighthearted. I mean, it is the fruit of a really, really long quest I have done, yes. a meditation. And um, I think I cannot answer this question in the book. I mean, it's a play on a quote yes. by Heidegger, you know, he yes. said, only a god can save us. Uh, for and those who don't know, yeah, Heidegger Martin. is a philosopher. Mm, a German philosopher, yes. um, and uh, this is a quote from a famous interview he did. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm turning what he says into a question again, right. and the whole book is a variation on a question, but um, I, I can boil it down to one central thesis, is that what is happening here with us, you know, the decline of our civilization, this, this uh, strange um, insanity that is happening. Like, like a great yeah. disorientation. Disorientation, insanity, um, the, the, the um, flight from reality, uh, uh, decadence, decay. I would use strong words like this. Mm -hmm. I think um, at the basis there is a sort of spiritual loss, you know. And this, this spiritual loss, to describe it is very difficult, to answer to it is also difficult. Maybe the answer is, is I mean, not to us. There are sometimes things uh, or points in which we realize, okay, now this is in God's hands. It's right, not in yeah. ours anymore, mm -hmm. you know. And so it's, it's basically, my book is a meditation about this, this, this loss of a spiritual center. Mm -hmm. And I think this is very important. And if, if Europe or Western civilization should ever... Um, gain again its heart, you know, or its soul, it's which soul. is important. The word soul is important to me. And here we go back to Monsieur Charaspay, who said the decisive battles are won by the soul, the soul. you know. Yeah. The soul is the strongest thing in the world. And we have kind of lost the world in globalization, but we have lost our soul. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a crucial question. And my book is about yeah, that. Yeah, very interesting. Is it available in English? Or no, no, not yet. But one maybe, day, one day, yeah, hopefully, because this is something I would actually be very interested in reading. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll just have to learn German, you know. I think this is the book that could be, um, is, would be the best to be translated into English because all my other books are more um, you know about German Austrian situations which are maybe not so interesting they don't for, translate for as well countries. maybe yeah. international but, but here I have I have a, a, a huge issue which which concerns mm -hmm. All Western civilization. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, great. So I've come to the end of my questions then, but it's been wonderful talking with you, really. So, where's the best place for people who are interested to find you online? Um, actually, Martin Senna is to blame. He, he got me hooked on Twitter oh, and I became a, a Twitter addict. Uh, I don't use Facebook. To the club. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I don't use Facebook, but you, you can find me on, on, okay, on Twitter. Great. So. And are all your books available on Amazon? Um, yes, they are. You can find them on Amazon. There's a peculiar thing happening, like Amazon has, uh, you know, cut off our direct sales. So, but mm -hmm. we are in Amazon through this, you know, um, proxy um, bookseller use. 
Uh, you can find them if you search there, but it would be better if you um, order them direct with our publishing house. You know, this okay, great. I, well, I'll link your, your the, the website, uh, yeah, yeah, your publishing house mm -hmm. website. So for sure. those who are interested, you can check it out there. But yeah. thank you so much to everyone for watching. I really hope you enjoyed, and thank you once again, Martin. It's well, been, thank it's you, been Brittany. Lovely. Yeah, yeah for me too. So. <laughs>